Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the On Texas Football Tuesday Night Live stream. I'm Blake Monroe, where I'm joined each and every Tuesday night by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, both of On3 Sports and Inside Texas. And guys, it's the 4th of July. We might see some fireworks here in just a little bit for if you're a Longhorn fan. And uh, it's been an eventful last few days, and this just adds to the momentum. So, Jerry, I'll let you just jump in and kind of give everybody a rundown and summarize where things stand right now. Yeah, well, I think Texas has the number 16 ranked class uh, going into the announcement of Jordan Washington, which that should be coming at 7.30 p.m. Um, you know, and I, Texas is coming off. Look, they've had a good run here, four four-star commitments in a row to climb from the 28th ranked class to 16. That started with Daniel Cruz a week ago today, or a week ago to, yeah, a week ago today, then went to uh, Parker Livingstone, Alex January and uh, Jordan Johnson Rebel, three guys from the Dallas Fort Worth area, uh, July 1st, as Texas continues uh, to really uh, put their both feet down and make a, make a strong point in the DFW area. Uh, there's a lot of announcements coming here the rest of July for the Texas class. One of the things Bobby and I have talked about is how many commitments we somebody put, kept putting the over under at 16 and a half maybe 17 commitments by the time Texas uh, uh, kicks off the season. It looks like it's going over to me. I, I think the number's going over too, Jerry. I yeah. mean, I, I think that that's where we're at right now. Um, I don't know how far over is the question, um, especially if they domino on a couple of these guys. Not only are they waiting on the uh, tight end today, Jordan Washington announces it at 7.30 on his YouTube channel, his family's YouTube channel. Uh, we'll be kind of covering that here on this uh, this uh, uh, live stream tonight. Uh, but also, you know, th they've got some work ahead of them right now on the defensive line, Jerry, as we've talked about. DeAndre Robinson, you and Eric Nalim both put in crystal balls on Monday for him. Uh, two Texas are RPM picks. Also, uh, you look down at the defensive back right now, and we're waiting for some other guys outside of Jordan Johnson, Rubel, and Santana Wilson, too. So uh, there's, there's a number of guys that uh, may be on the cusp right now of uh, getting ready to make a decision well guys yeah, yeah for sure happy uh, 4th everybody by the way <laughs> happy 4th of july it's not yeah. dark here yet so get ready for fireworks later and maybe That's at 7 30. Right. <laughs> well we got uh, lots of questions coming in and of course please get your questions in ask in the chat or ask on insidetexas.com we'll get to some of those questions here in a minute but guys we got a super chat right off the bat this one from elijah perez I want to thank him. And he says, with the run game, less bell cow oriented run game, do y'all think Sark will run more four to five receiver sets? And if so, who would be y'all's ideal receiver set? Tied in very much included. Why? Well, if you're, you're going to see a four receiver set, I, I actually am not. I think that, that Jonathan Brooks can be. Um, I just don't know if he has the durability to be. Like, I think he's good enough to be a bell cow running back. I really, I think he's a future pro. Uh, as long as he's healthy. Um, given that, Texas will run um, some one back and four wides if you include a tight end as a wide. That's what Sark likes to do sometimes. Um, and Jatavian Sanders would be very much a part of that. Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, uh, and then I would put Jordan Whittington in the slot with it. Uh, and so that's that's kind of where I would go, and that's that's the group right now. That being said... Uh, adding a, an Isaiah Nayor uh, and or uh, um, possibly a Jonte Cook on the outside could be interesting, too, if you want to kind of press 
some people from a speed perception or a speed angle. Jerry, you got anything to add to that? No, yeah, I think uh, I, I think definitely you're going to see more uh, four, three and four wide receiver sets. Uh, you're not going to see uh, if it's a five wide set. I mean, looks Jatavian Sanders will be kind of flexed out. I mean, I think that's where I think that's where this is going. I don't think you're going to see tight ends taken off the field unless it's uh, a, a time management issue where Texas really has to get down the field quickly maybe a minute drill, not a two-minute drill, but a one-minute drill. But I don't see him taking the best tight end in the Big 12 off the field at all. All right. Well, I hope we'll... not. I hope not. <laughs> we got another super chat that just came in, fellas. This one from Brett Nelson. And he says, top three to four prospects for the 25 class in Texas. And where does Texas stand with them? Thanks for all the hard work you do. And hook them. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know, Dakarian De- Moore is a big one for me. Um he is one of the five-star prospects for on three uh, and, and in the industry ranking. Uh, so he'll be right there. He's ranked 10 in the country overall. He's the number two ranked prospect in Texas. Uh, Devin Sanchez is the number one ranked prospect in Texas. Then there's Andrew Marsh, a wide receiver from uh, Jordan High School in Katy out of Fulcher, Texas. That uh, He really likes Texas. So I think Texas leads for decorian Moore. Uh, Devin Sanchez, obviously Texas is right there with every other national program. I'm interested to see kind of where this this class goes. There's going to be a lot of movement as far as the rankings between now uh, and this time next year when these kids are really starting to come off the board. So Michael Fasusi is going to be one of the top offensive tackles in the country. Lamont Rogers at Mesquite Horn is another guy that's one of the top offensive tackles in the country. So early on, Really good wide receiver class, really good offensive tackle class, and there's one corner that is a cut above the rest um, in the state and maybe nationally. All right. Well, we're going to jump over to the Inside Texas Forums. Um, And by the way, if you're not a member, now is a great time to go sign up, especially with all the recruiting news going on and right before the season. So head on over there. But this one comes from the forums, guys. This one from SD Longhorn Fan. And he says, with Jerry saying he likes where Texas sits with Brandon Baker, could you guys talk about the significance of possibly having multiple players from Mater Day, IMG, and Duncanville all at once? Major program pipelines. Yeah, I think it would be unbelievable. I mean, look, Spencer Shannon, obviously uh, out of modern day last year. DeAndre Carter scheduled to officially visit September 30th, the offensive guard out of modern day. Obviously, Brandon Baker would take it to another level. Texas and Ohio State and Oregon, it, the decision's coming from one of those three. I think Texas has had some great conversations with Baker. I think Oregon has slipped from a uh, heavy favorite to now one of the three teams fighting it out. Ohio State has a couple offensive tackles committed who happen to be twin uh, brothers, but uh, they would still take uh, Brandon Baker. It's going to be a fight to the finish, but Texas had some great conversations with IMG. Look, I mean, Jarrett Gibson, Jordan Johnson Rebell, that's two of the leaders of the program. And, and I think that's a big part. Jordan Johnson Rebell, obviously from Fort Worth area, and he was going to be a Texas lean throughout as long as Texas really roll out the red carpet. Jarrett Gibson just, you know, look, if Texas wasn't in the SEC, I don't care how good a recruiter to Shard Choice is. I don't, not sure Cedric Baxter or Gibson would be going to Texas. I think it's that big of a deal to move to the SEC, and these kids know it. These kids are talking about it when we interview them, whether it's on the live streams or uh, when Justin and I talk to kids. It, it, this SEC move is a big deal, and I think it's impactful for a guy like uh, Brandon Baker out of California, the California kids. DeAndre Moore 
in the 23 class came down to Georgia and Texas. I mean, he, and he knows Texas is going to the SEC. Uh, Duncanville, they have 25, 30 Division I kids over there right now. And they're going to continue to un, until Reggie Samples hangs it up. Um, so it would be very impactful as long as, look, I mean, there's a lot riding on this class this year. If Texas gets Brandon Baker and Colin Simmons, and I'm not out sitting here saying they're done deals. Uh, so don't put words in my mouth, but Texas is in good spots right now. That's two five stars from those schools. Texas has two guys from IMG, could pick up a third, maybe TJ Lindsay, maybe Jaden Jackson. So Texas on the right track and DeCorey and Moore, maybe the top junior to stay to Texas, in my opinion, is at Duncanville as well. I, I think feeder schools are important. I, I, I want to add that. You had North Shore back in the day, uh, Jerry, that was, was yeah. a big one for Texas uh, and a good one. Westlake continues to be a good one overall for the Longhorns. Uh, those are important to a number of programs. Uh, your mention of the, the SEC brings me to something that happened earlier today. Um, you think that uh, Cam Coleman, the wide receiver out of Alabama, would be going to Texas A&M if the Aggies weren't in the SEC right hey, now? Hey, by the way, Wait, NIL? By the way, Jordan Washington just committed to Texas for Hayes Fawcett. Ah, just got let go, huh? All right, got released. That's Jordan Washington, uh, the tight end uh, from uh, Langham Creek, has announced for the Texas Longhorns. Uh, That's awesome. Uh, Longhorns now, I think, at 12 commitments on the campaign. Is that correct, Jerry? Correct. 12 commitments. It may move them up to 15 in in class rankings. We'll see. That's got it needs time. Uh, to, to kind of filter in there. But, yes, Jordan Washington has committed to Texas from Langham Creek, one of the real spring risers. He committed to Texas uh, over Texas A&M, visited A&M, also made two visits, made an unofficial as well uh, before he went on Texas visit. And then Arizona State got an official in UTSA. He's a kid that's very loyal uh, to people who uh, recruited him early, and UTSA was on him very early, and he really liked Jeff Trailer. Uh, but he commits to Texas over Texas A&M. I think he's a guy who's going to rise and end up a four-star prospect this senior year. That's big time. I'm looking at the tweet right now. Uh, his plan is to, to develop me into a great tight end and maybe the best in college football. Uh, that's Jordan Washington, uh, what he quoted as saying to both about Steve Sarkeesian and uh, uh, the uh, tight ends coach, Jeff Banks. Uh, there you go. Uh, congratulations to Jordan uh, and his selection of the Longhorns. Uh, we will have actually more from Jordan now, we can say, in this show. Yeah. <laughs> we can now announce that. We actually have something coming for you guys a little bit. Uh, we also have a, a full commitment video breaking down his game uh, as well uh, later alongside Jordan Washington. To, but so to answer the question, Bobby, on Cam Coleman, uh, obviously, look, the, 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 the SEC move is huge. I mean, it's – uh, it, it's been huge for Texas A&M's recruiting efforts and, and will continue to be. Um, I think Texas, Texas A&M are set up well to compete in the NIL space. Um, and, and I think that is huge moving forward for both those programs. Uh, and both of these schools are now recruiting the deep South very effectively. And I expect that to continue. A&M got a head, uh, got a jump start on Texas by joining the SEC earlier. Yeah. Uh, no in that regard. And you've seen them, morph their their roster to include guys from state of uh, state of florida state of tennessee state of georgia state of alabama now um louisiana has always been a place that the aggies have tried to hit but uh, it, it's going throughout the sec area somebody asked about jordan washington comparing him to jermichael finley <laughs> um you know jermichael finley 
legit Division One basketball player, a really, really uber-athletic guy. I think Jordan Washington has a similar frame to him. And I, while I think Jordan Washington is very athletic, I'm not sure he's Jermichael's quite that level athletic. I, that would be putting expectations out there that I'm not sure would be fair. I don't know what Bobby has to say about I, that. I So I haven't seen, um, you know, I haven't seen Jordan enough. Uh, I saw not only did I see Jermichael in high school, I also saw him play basketball in high school, and I also saw him play at Texas in football and then the, the NFL. Uh, Jermichael is a – he's very interesting, and I think he's taller than Jordan uh, a little bit uh, and has the same kind of arm length. Uh, but I think the issue there is he has some – some quickness to him. Yeah. You know, that's kind of just like a quick athleticness. Um, I don't, I hope Jordan Washington has that. Uh, but uh, Jermichael Finley was one of the best tight ends in the league when he wasn't injured. I uh, think Jordan Washington clear. is more of the Jatavion Sanders athlete. Maybe he has a little bit better long speed, um, mm -hmm. long term. Uh, but you're right. Jermichael Finley was just, he was a very high end athlete at that position. All right. Well, Bobby, real quick, why don't you tell the good folks out there about Energy Texas, and then we'll field some more questions. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I want to say special thanks to our sponsor for Tuesday night's live stream. That's Energy Texas. Uh, if you're looking for a uh, new energy provider in the heat of it all here this summer, uh, check out EnergyTexas.com. Energy Texas, Texas Electricity, done right. That's 855-461-1129, or go to EnergyTexas.com. Uh, they also have the flex plan going on right now so that you can change your plan each and every month at no additional cost. All right, guys. Well, we got another super chat in. Not only is it Independence Day, but it's also Pope Casino's birthday. He says it's my <laughs> birthday. So happy birthday. Glad to have Inside Texas Live and the commitment. P.S. I do believe Texas will have three 1,000-yard receivers this year. Y'all's thoughts on that? I, I, I'm, I'll let Bobby answer a second. I, I'm going to say no because I – and I'm going to keep staying on the same point. Uh, teams are going to lose one possession a game with the clock running on first downs, and that's going to cut in the stats for players. I think if it would be possible without that rule change, I'll say that. Do you think, Jerry, here's my question to you. Do you think – I think the two that would would be A.D. Mitchell and Xavier Worthy, not yeah. Jordan Whittington. Correct. I, like I, I, I could actually, I think that they will have at least one, possibly two. I think three is a tough, a tough call. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's a tough call because here's the thing: Sarkeesian wants to be balanced, and if Texas has three one thousand yard receivers, that means they're not running the ball effectively at all, and that might not be a good thing for the season. Yeah, I agree. Uh, happy birthday, Pope Casino, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, America. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, guys, our next question is actually coming from the board once again over at InsideTexas.com, and it's from Big Willie TX, or Tex. He says, are we still making contact with Texas Tech commit Jacob Ponton? If so, where does he fall on the board? Yeah, I think uh, the Texas Tech commit was at Texas camp. Um, Texas did not offer him. Uh, obviously, they're staying in contact with him. Um, look, I think He's one of the guys they're considering uh, for the fall if they have that tackle spot, which I think they will. I think Daniel Calhoun's committing to Georgia uh, tomorrow over Texas, so that left tackle spot's going to still be open. Brandon Baker, if he picks Texas, is a right tackle. So I think you really have Ori Williams at San Marcos, who I think if he doesn't commit this summer, I could see him on campus at Texas in the fall. Then you have Weston Davis, Texas A&M commitment, who 
remains open with Texas. So we'll see if he shows up on campus this season. Um, and then you have a guy like Jacob Ponton. So I think one of those three guys right now um, is going to get a push from Texas during the season. Hey, hey guys, let's go ahead and kick to the uh, to the Jordan Washington. Oh, yeah. We need to get to this guy. If you don't mind. Uh, Matt, our producer, do you mind doing that? We want to introduce you to the most recent Longhorn commitment, uh, Jordan Washington. Matt, can you cue that up for us? You got it? All right. Let it go, man. How you doing, Jordan? I'm here with you, Gary Hamilton. Jordan, I like your hat, first of all. It looks familiar. (laughs) Matching. So tell us, uh, you you seem excited. Tell us why you chose the University of Texas. So there's a there's a lot that went into this decision. Obviously, I have my family. They we all come to came together and we all made one overall decision. And also, it was just the the energy I had on my official there. It was it's just it didn't match um, compared to the other officials I've been on. Um, so this was probably the the best energy wise, I'd say, and also like the the coaches, we all got along. It wasn't more of football; it was more of kind of like re- not reality. My bad. It was more of like relationships and um, life after football, and it was that was probably the best part about it. Um, Coach Banks, he he, great guy, great guy. Coach Sark also too, but Coach Banks, speaking on him, he's just he's so real and he came to me, he talked to me. He was like, dude, this is like, this is your place. Like you have, you have the opportunity to step behind um, Jatavion Sanders shoes and you have the chance to be the dude at UT. And I took that into consideration. I was like, yeah, you're right. I feel like I have the, the capability to do all that. And that's, that was my decision. I chose UT. Jerry, you have anything real quick? Talk about that visit. Talk about Jatavion Sanders. What did he tell you? about his, at the University of Texas, why he picked Texas and his experience playing for the Horns. So one one thing I did ask him is that about Coach Banks. And Coach Banks, he's hands down, I think, one of the best tight end coaches or maybe the best tight end coach in college football. And he took Jatavion from a defensive end and proved him to be a tight end and now is probably one of the best tight ends in college football. And that just hearing that from him, makes me think like, okay, I know what I'm getting into. I know Coach um, Banks is going to push me to be one of the best tight ends he could make and possibly be for myself. And he like talking to him, it, it wasn't more football-wise. It was more of like kind of just friendship. Like we built a friendship um, over the course of three days, and I had his number a week prior. But talking to him and hearing him saying like, I chose you, um, I wanted to be your host for this official hearing that told me like, okay, I have a starting tight end. Tell me like, okay, he wants to be my host. So that should mean something. Um, as in like, I have a chance or a possibility to play as a freshman, early freshman, and obviously see where playing takes me to give me a starting spot, but who knows just Jordan, uh, congratulations again. Thank Go you. enjoy this time with your family. We really appreciate having you. Uh, if you want to see more of Jordan, we have a commitment video that we've done that is complete with his highlights uh, adjacent to this video as well. Uh, for Jordan Washington, uh, I got one thing to say to you, buddy. Hook him. Congratulations, Jordan. Uh, you were a, a good interview. We actually talked to him 
Uh, Jerry and I talked to him for about 15 minutes uh, overall and, and got that video set up for people so they can see it along with his commitment video as well. Jerry, one of the things that we talked to him about in that video was culture. And yeah. that was a big reason why he selected Texas. Uh, what did you take away from that? Yeah, I, I, I just think, look, it's the same thing out of every recruit's mouth that commits to Texas right now. Um, so I think when co coaches always talk about culture, but when Sarkeesian mentioned late in the spring that he feels like he has the culture where he wants it or very close to where they want it at Texas, the recruits are kind of saying that. And Bobby, um, when this the full interview is, is published, um, you get to a point, uh, you said something about players recruiting players. And that's so true because coaches can talk about culture, but when kids visit universities, they see and sense culture and whether it's real or not. Um, it, but I, I just like one thing I like about Jordan. And when this interview is published, you got Texas fans are going to love it. He is not lacking confidence. <laughs> okay. No. And I love it. He's got a personality. He's got confidence. He's almost, but he's a physical kid. He's more than a willing blocker. He'll get in there and mix it up. He's got a great coach at Langham Creek, Todd Thompson, who played fullback at Rice. Um, I've said before, Trevor Cobb was the running back. Todd Thompson was the fullback. Really good offensive mind, good coach. And he puts Jordan in positions to be a complete player on the high school level. He doesn't have to. He can split them out wide and run go routes and get in the ball six times for 100 yards a game. He doesn't do that. He's helping this kid be a complete player. He's, he's, he's challenging him to be physical in the run game. And so you'll see Jordan's personality, you'll see his confidence, but also realize he's a physical player on Friday nights. I, I really like his future and where he's headed. All right, guys. Well, let's uh, take some more questions here. And I think this is a pretty interesting one, speaking of physical players. This from K. John. He says, would Earl Campbell be the number one rated recruit in the nation on on three this year? And what do you think his stats would be as a senior in high school? That's a that's an almost impossible question to answer. But Bobby, he took, he took John Tyler to the state championship as a senior. Um, you know, he'd probably play three more games now. He'd probably be John Tyler would probably be seventeen and zero instead of like thirteen and zero or fourteen and zero, whatever whatever they were. Um, I you know I argue this with people all the time, and Jerry and I have both been in those ranking meetings, both of us. And I've seen the evolution of where I would rank a guy. I did. I ranked Adrian Peterson, the number one player in the country, right? I was responsible for that uh, at Rivals. Uh, now, other people were part of that. Jerry was part of that, et cetera. But the buck kind of stopped with me, right? Right. There is – I also advocated for a guy named Leonard Fournette early in 24-7's uh, infancy to be the number one player in the country. Um because I didn't think there was another guy that I saw that deserved that spot at another position. What's happened is the industry has morphed to more closely mirror the NFL draft. And when's the last time a running back went number one overall? Yeah. And, and so the answer is, unfortunately, in my opinion, there are guys sometimes that are the number one recruit no matter what position they play, despite what the NFL draft says. Earl Campbell would have been that for me. Adrian Peterson was that for me. Vince Young, you know, is a quarterback, but I knew that Vince Young wasn't the greatest passer of all time. But, and I knew he probably wouldn't go number one overall in an NFL draft because of that. At the same time, I ranked Vince Young number one because I thought he would be the best college football player. 
right? And and some people, what's happened, and people don't realize it, is that these rankings have now morphed into what do they really rank as an NFL player, I think. And, right. and um, that's unfortunate. And, and I'll give you an example. Tommy Frazier, the Nebraska quarterback, remains one of the best college quarterbacks of all time. Never played a down in, in the NFL, right? But could he run the option as well as anybody and lead Nebraska to the most dominant team of the 90s, in my opinion? I, I think he did. And so I, I I feel like it's not just on three. It's not just rivals or 24-7 or anybody at ESPN. They're all doing it the same way right now. And I think it takes a little bit of the college aspect out of those rankings, unfortunately for me. Jerry, what do you think on that? Yeah, and I'll just add to Bobby. I agree with all of it. And it's a, a lot of it's because of the Nike and Under Armour camps, right? The uh, hand size, arm length, wingspans, shuttle times, broad jumps, all that st- NFL combine stuff is readily available now. So it's easier to rank guys on upside and kind of look at it from an NFL combine standpoint versus what Bobby's talking about. Uh, the best college football players. And, and you know, I think it's uh, um, I think it's so interesting and I agree with it. Um, you know, you go back to, you know, a guy like JT Barrett coming out of high school. It's, it's similar. You know, he wasn't going to be he wasn't going to run the fastest 40 for a quarterback. He wasn't going to be six, four. He wasn't going to have the strongest arm if he showed up at elite 11. But he goes to Ohio State and before his injuries, he was better than just about everybody. Didn't mean he was going to be the best NFL player. Um, but there's so many guys like that. Um, and then on the flip side, we could name so many guys that were ranked high because of the height, weight, and, and, and all the measurables. Uh, so I totally agree with Bobby. Um, and, you know, look, I think it's helped. I'll tell you one area it's helped uh, in recruiting rankings, though, is I think at the edge, defensive line, and offensive line. It's helped recruiting rankings there because you have all these measurables and you can kind of correlate it to an NFL draft. But at the guys who are just instinctive football players, running back, middle linebackers, safeties, a safety that may be a little short gets dinged in the recruiting rankings, but not many guys are better than Jalen Callon when he was healthy. And there was probably 35 safeties ranked ahead of him coming out of high school. I agree. I, Earl Thomas. Yeah. I mean, what, what was he? He wasn't a top 50 player in the country. No. Yeah, I mean, and he would have got dinged nowadays because he'd have been 5'9, 185. Yes, yep, and he's a Hall of Fame player. Yep, one of my bet, one of my favorite Dwayne Aquina stories, by the way, is on Earl Thomas, guys. Um, Dwayne Aquina, longtime University of Texas defensive back coach, told me this story. He said that all of his guys would go to the combine and text him what they ran at the 40 right after, right after they got did their 40. They would text him because there was a lag at that time between the official time and what you would see on TV or what they would be reporting, right? So they would text him the, their official time. Well, not Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas didn't text him. Earl Thomas said, Coach, they got me at 510. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he ran a 4-3-something. He knew he was going to be fast, but they got him at 510. He was excited. <laughs> and I'll say, I'll tell the one out there, too. I asked Will Muschamp about Earl Thomas one time and he said on the board and understanding the position best he's had at safety in his coaching career and he played safety at Georgia obviously he's been part of two national title teams three he was with uh, Nick Saban at LSU he's got three national title rings uh, almost had four if Colt doesn't get hurt 
Uh, so he's coached some great players, and he said Earl Thomas's instincts and understanding of the game at that position were the best he's ever seen. Yeah. Hope hope that answered that question. I think we may have went too long on it, but uh, right. I hope it was good. <laughs> hope it was good. All right, guys, we're going to jump over to a super chat real quick. This one comes from Ken Ward. He says, all of the commits you guys have interviewed are impressive. Not only elite-level players, but also high-character young men that seem to have a good head on their shoulders. You guys are the best. I totally agree with that. Look, I I think there is – I think Sark and his staff really have their feet on the ground at Texas right now. And I think they – because they're so thorough in the valuation process, that is what I like most about this staff, honestly – is one, they stay on their top targets and they'll continue to recruit those guys through the whistle. But two, they're not, they didn't take a lot of guys early. They wanted to make sure they were correct. And they used the spring evaluation period not only to evaluate the older classes, but to continue to evaluate this class and get to know these kids, whether it's a conversation with high school coaches or not. Jordan Washington was a spring offer for Texas and Texas AM. I mean, and Alabama and a number of other schools. So could Texas have had a different tight end committed early and then not been there for Jordan Washington? Quite possibly. Could Texas A&M? Quite possibly. Uh, but I really like what Texas is doing from a valuation standpoint right now. I think they have their feet on the ground. And I think, you know, when you're thorough in the evaluation process, you tend to recruit better fits. I just, I just, I couldn't have, look, I, I, I've, been talking to recruits since I, mean, I I don't talk to them now unless they actually commit or getting ready to make a decision, etc. But there is no doubt that the last two weeks, Jerry, we've had on a half dozen guys that sound eerily similar. Yeah. You know what I mean? Very matter of fact about what they're going to try to do and how they're going to go about doing it. Um, uh, you'll see that from Jordan Washington as well in his interview, I think. Um, it, it's, I, I think Sark's got a, got an idea of what he wants to do and who he wants to be part of it, you know, and, uh, and who he attracts, right. Also, and what the university attracts too. So, uh, thanks Ken for the super chat. Uh, and, uh, you guys are the best as well. I would say that to this community because, uh, it's been growing and, and we really appreciate y'all. Hey Blake, I, I knew we want to respond to something. Somebody just said Tom Herman, I heard was down the earth and likable, just like Sark. And I'm not here to bash a former coach, but you didn't hear that from me. <laughs> I guarantee that. <laughs> Jerry keeping it real for all of us. I mean, I'm not gonna let that pass. We have to have, have an opinion. They're here for our opinion, right? And our, our knowledge. All right, guys. This next one comes from Brad Chesney. And he says the conclusion from Ian's Inside Texas article today is that we haven't been able to field consistently good defenses. What is your confidence level that PK is building a defense that will buck that trend? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. 
Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. You want me? I'll take this. I think yeah. he's doing it, um, Brad. Uh, and I, I, the reason I say that um, is one improvement year one to year two. I think they're going to improve again this year. And I definitely think they lacked uh, the secondary pieces overall coming into this. They lacked the edge pieces. Now you add guys like Anthony Hill and you're starting to get to some playmakers. You keep Sadir Mitchell. Uh, you add guys, uh, you know, Ethan Burke gets some more uh, experience behind him. I think those guys are going to be guys, and I really think his defense is at Washington. The real key to those were to have the big guys up front. Everybody else, the the, the edges and the linebackers chase the ball, and then you have potential first-round draft picks in the secondary. And they're getting ready once – and I'm not saying anything negative about Jaron Thompson because don't take it that way. But once they get past this next this group of DBs that they kind of inherited – they're not they're they're going to be playing with guys that have NFL speed that have NFL size and that's when this defense I think looks a little different you, Jerry do you agree with that yeah no doubt about it I mean look I, I think there's I love the safeties in this class the Warren Roberson and, and Derek Williams I think are bigger guys Jelani McDonald what Jelani McDonald I mean you got three guys who are bigger athletes. I mean, Derek Williams may be 6'4", 220 playing safety um, with, I, I think, what he has cornerback feet. I saw it at the Under Armour practices. I mean, his feet in drills, you would have thought he was a corner. He has that good of feet and, and, and ability to open up his hips and run. Um, so, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I, I just – look, they need to – if they solve the pass rush, and they just need Look, it's amazing what happens. If Texas can get Colin Simmons and get a dynamic guy, it's amazing what it'll do for everybody else. It's amazing what that'll do for everybody else. Everybody else will suddenly have favorable matchups. Everybody else will suddenly be in a position to run a little more free and let their athleticism take over. I, I really believe they're one dynamic edge player, and that's nothing against the guys there, but one, Colin Simmons is a different level dude kind of like Kelvin Banks was, kind of like Anthony Hill looks like he's going to be. Some guys are just different level guys. I think they're one of those guys away from edge, from uh, really having something that scares opponents. I think Brad, by the way, is a friend of mine that uh, was in Rome just a couple days ago, by the way. Okay. So don't don't feel too bad for the good doctor there. <laughs> Congratulations, Brad. All right, Bobby. Well, why don't you tell everybody out there about Energy Texas, and then we'll get to some more questions. Absolutely. Energy Texas is a, a, it can be your choice for electricity in the state of Texas. It's deregulated energy uh, opportunities around the state of Texas. If you're in one of those spots, give them a try. Uh, www.energytexas.com or call them at 855-461-1129. Right now they have a flex plan going on that allows you uh, to change your energy plan every month at no cost. That's right. No cost. 855-461-1129 or www.energytexas.com. 
Okay, we have a, another super chat. This one from Freelance Society. No stranger to the show by any means. And he says, what in-state high-profile quarterbacks from 2024 to watch this year? Texas is great at recruiting quarterbacks. Just wondering if they'll miss someone who wanted to go to Texas but didn't get in. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, there's always there's always guys who are going to um, have great senior years or going to be really – I mean, DJ Lagway going to Florida is a very talented guy. You aren't getting him the year after getting Arch Manning. So you go ahead and throw that out. Marcos Davila going to Purdue for Midland Lee is a talented guy. Uh, the kid going to, to TCU from Alito, he's very talented. He's just undersized. And he was going to be under-recruited, but he's a four-star kid. Uh, Haas Henge, he's 5'11", 190. Uh, Will Hammond from Hutto going to Texas Tech. I really like Michael Hawkins going to Oklahoma. His his dad, Mike Hawkins, obviously played at OU and in the NFL as a corner. Uh, those are some guys right there. Deuce Adams, um, obviously uh, his father, Mike Adams, played at Texas going to Louisville. There's some talented quarterbacks in the state. There's always going to be talented quarterbacks in the state of Texas. Um that is true, and Trey Owens obviously is one of those guys in this class. But if people are looking, could Texas have got DJ Lagway the year after Arch Manning? The, app, the answer is absolutely not. It would have been a waste of time. And, and I will say this. I think you put it the right way. There used to be not a not, not many quarterbacks in the state of Texas 20 or 30 years yeah. ago. Now there's too many. <laughs> and, and, and I, and I don't, I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, you couldn't take them all that were good enough if you tried. Yeah, um, there's just too many that are really legitimately good quarterbacks. I think there are more quarterbacks from the state of Texas in the NFL than any any other state right now, and there that's that's right there is proof positive. All right, well, thank you, Freelance Society, for the super chat. This next one, guys, comes from Daniel Kinneman, and he says, "Should Texas take four to five offensive linemen, or only take three if they get Baker and save the space for defensive line or edge?" No, they need to take four or five um, because the reality is somebody will transfer out after this year. It's the portal day and age. You have to keep re- – you cannot take three if you have really good options at the offensive line. We've seen what happened before once you start doing that, uh, and that's just – that cannot be done, especially when you're heading into uh, the SEC. Texas has to stay – uh, it continue to get large humans because the reality is some large humans will probably leave the program if they don't play this year and the next couple of years. That's just where college football's at. Bobby, any extra thoughts on that? No, I agree. I mean, um, I, I think they need three interior and two tackles, ideally. Um, I don't think they're going to just take two interior. No. Uh, we got another quick super chat, guys. This one from Parth Patel. Thank you. Uh, he says, my sister said she's willing to take the linebacker position in the class. Hook them. <laughs> well, she plays rugby, and there's a video out there of her uh, smacking around like high school football team. Uh, then uh, bring the video. <laughs> we'll get it to the right people. <laughs> Thanks, Parth. Um, all right, guys. Next question comes from E. Kim, and it says, Jerry, who do you see as the best corner prospect oh. of these three? Kobe Black, Devin Sanchez, or Jabor- Jabori Ant- Antone? Also, who do you see as the final 24 interior offensive lineman take for Texas? You know, Devin Sanchez is such an interesting prospect because every time I go to North Shore, he looks like he's getting taller, bigger. Um, and, and he's going to be a bigger frame guy than a Selman Bridges. Uh, who's a, a 2024 over at Lake Belton, obviously. Sanchez, I, you know, you talk to people around North Shore and they're kind of like, you know, we don't know how big this guy's going to get. Is he going to stay at corner? 
Could his future be at safety? I mean, so that, that's something to watch with Devin Sanchez right now. He's as talented a corner as there is uh, in the state, regardless of class. Same way I feel about the Corian Moore, who I think is the best receiver prospect in Texas, period. Um, so, you look, you always take the guy who's going to be there first. So, Kobe Black's the answer there. Uh, the final inside OL take for Texas. Look, at uh, Blake Ivey gets the first crack at it. He's in-state guy from Clear Springs. I think he's been an AM lean over LSU in Texas, headed into his family uh, cruise they've been on. Uh, so, we'll see where that heads. He was at Texas A&M, the same official visit weekend with uh, Daniel Cruz and Nate Kibble, two guys who have since committed to Texas. The thing with Blake Ivey's recruitment to know is some schools are telling him they'll give him a shot at tackle. And Texas is telling him, we think you're an interior guy all the way. We think that's where your future is. Um, so a lot of that could come down with Blake Ivey. Is, does he want a shot at tackle or is he good at moving just to the interior and getting on with where his future position is? I think his parents would be happy with Texas or Texas A&M if that was a choice from an academic standpoint. All right. And we got another defensive back question right here. This one from James McDaniel, and he says, who's going to be the odd person out in DB recruiting? I think that's tough to answer right now. Um, you know, I, I I don't know if Bobby's got a thought on that, but I think it just really depends on who who how the dominoes fall here in the next two or three weeks. Yeah, um, and, and the timing of it, too, the Jerry. Timing. Yeah. Because, uh, look, Texas has two with Jordan Johnson-Rubell and Santana Wilson. That's a safety in a corner. Kobe Black – and Corey and Gibson are kind of up right now, you know, uh, Wardell Mack, we think is actually going to prolong this into August, maybe September even, and contemplating taking additional visits. Um, Selman Bridges would have been my answer perhaps at one point. Um, because I think he also is leaning to Arkansas a little bit right now over Texas could be wrong about that, but that's a thought. Um, and so though that, that could be the guy, Miles Davis, Josh Lair at the other safety spot, not sure right now. Um, I, I think it's probably too early, and I think they'll probably self-select, if that makes sense a little bit. They'll kind of, they'll kind of figure it out themselves. Uh, Corey and Gibson is probably the next one to make a decision. Uh, that's Texas, uh, Clemson, and some people think Ohio State, but uh, we, we hear good things about both Texas and Clemson from that standpoint. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. Okay, next question, guys. Uh, how is Errant Bryan doing on the defensive line? This question from Mock Schnell. Uh, Aaron Bryan had a great spring. Uh, from what I've heard, I think Bobby's heard the same thing, especially against the run. Body's coming along as far as gaining weight. Uh, I think he's closing in on 290, 300 pounds. I think he, uh, he's he got a bright future, and the Texas staff really likes where he could go as a run stopper. I don't know if Bobby has something to add to that. No, just that they, he's, he's not – ideally big right he's not right. this jumbo size guy like mike january or sadir mitchell he's more of a three tech so um that that's his spot in comparison to mitchell where mitchell is really a true over the nose guy so not only is he doing well and i'm trying to say this the right way he's in a spot where i think he's going to go up the depth chart as some people leave next year potentially uh three losing three defensive tackles next year Hey, I just, uh, I, I'm sorry I've been, been slowing the questions here. I was just putting some news. I wanted to get it on the inside Texas first uh, that we have a little uh, breaking news here. Um, is it Ithiel Horton, um, the transfer, grad transfer, 6'5 guard 
at UCF is now on campus for his official visit to Texas. Um, Ithiel Horton averaged 12 and a half points, about four rebounds, made 77 threes at 38 and a half percent for UCF last year. Uh, Texas, Kansas appear to be the two for him, but I wanted to put that on inside Texas before I got it on the live stream because we've been talking about that. But Ithiel Horton, uh, which would be the final piece to the Texas basketball roster, is on campus for an official visit today and tomorrow. What what year is he, Jerry? He's a grad transfer. He has okay, one grad year transfer. Left. Sorry, I didn't hear that. And I mean, he's a six five guy that plays off the ball, shoots it really well. If Texas can beat Kansas, maybe somebody else for him. I think they're rocking as a top 10, 12 team preseason next year. It'd be a big get. He can really shoot it now. You put him and Max A. Asmus on opposite wings there, and in Texas can suddenly have about perfect floor spacing. So we'll see what happens. All right. Big news there for sure. This question comes from Mondo, and he says, Who's going to step up on the edge this year? Also, can Hill and Simmons have Osai's impact? Y'all's thoughts. Um, I, I'll, I'll say this. I think that, that right now Edge is going to be Sorrell and um, Ethan Burke, top two. After that, they're waiting for a group of players to step up and take it. Justice Finkley, the concern there is has he maxed out, right? Um, Chris Ross, Jare Bledsoe, Jamon Tapp, somebody needs to step up and have taken the reins. Right now they have not. It, it, Chris Ross – looked good in the spring a little bit. So keep an eye there, but I don't know that he made that next move is the problem. Uh, Hill, uh, Anthony Hill and Simmons certainly can have Joe size impact. They are those caliber players, first top one or two round draft pick type guys. The thing about Hill, I think he's a more natural pass rusher than Osai. So, I mean, and I know Osai is really, really good. Simmons definitely is a more natural pass rusher. That they're a little bit different. Osai is more of that five technique that is actually can play uh, up straight up and head up on the tackle. And that's what Texas asked him to do quite a bit, actually, uh, and what he does in the NFL right now, too. And we will stick with the defensive line theme here. And Thomas Mitchell wants to know how many defensive tackles is Texas taking? Well, the simple answer is as many as want to, they want to come until the numbers start kind of making guys get cold feet. Uh, that could be four. That could be five. Um, if Texas feel anybody they take, they feel like a really good football player in this class. They're not just taking a body. They're taking all these guys that they brought in for official visits. They think are quality enough players to play on the defensive line at Texas and in the SEC. So whether that goes to four or five, I could see it being four and TJ Lindsay's kind of a swing guy if he went Texas way. Um, Dominic McKinley's a January decision as of right now. So that one's going to play out. I don't think he really factors in right now to the numbers. Uh, but look, you have Malik Blockton's committing on, uh, the eight that could be Texas or Auburn. I kind of like where Texas has been trending there. We'll see what happens. Um, Melvin Hills is the 12th. Jaden Jackson is sometime in July. TJ Lindsay's likely in July. Both those guys report to IMG on the 20th. DeAndre Robinson's announcing on the 21st. They would take any of those guys. I'll tell you that right now. As of today. All right. And our next question is for Bobby. It comes from Brandon Longhorn. And he says, Bobby, you talk a lot about NIL and how there is no set number on what a kid makes. You mentioned to look at what past players made, but you don't disclose what past players made. What was the dollar figure for past players? 
Um, so I don't disclose it because I don't know exact ones. Uh, so they would have to ask the former players, right? That's that's what that's kind of the thing. All all Texas coaches can say is such and such made X last year, and he was similarly situated to you, or this guy makes about this amount of money uh, based on what he made last year. They can't, you, you can't promise money up front. That's the issue. And so, uh, long story short. You know, it depends on which player you're talking about, about Brandon. Do you, I can't go through all 85, and nor do I know all 85, uh, right? So it, it's, it is, I agree with you, it is dicey. Um, what's a good word? It's nuanced. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to explain, but that's the NCAA's ruling on it. And so Texas tries to play it by the book. All right, good to know there. Okay, our next question, guys, is actually going to come from the Inside Texas Forums. This one is actually for Jerry, and it has to do with NIL. Uh, he says, during the show of Fossil, ask Jerry to explain his contention that Jaden Jackson's recruitment will come down to NIL. What does he mean by that? Um, I just, look, I just think that's become a key factor. Some kids look, so recruiting goes two different ways right now, I think. Some kids just pick their school and let the NIL kind of fall into place. Some kids uh, start the recruiting process more looking at the school. But as the process goes moves along, um, it, it becomes more NIL based on a decision. I mean, so I think it goes to one of two ways right now. And I think with Jaden Jackson's, I think uh, the NIL is a very important part of his recruitment where, you know, you, for instance, when I was at Lancaster the, talking to Corey and Gibson, and talking to people around the Lancaster program, they said Corian's taking the approach of um, wherever I go to school, I know the NIL is going to take care of itself. And he didn't want to make his decision based on that. There's some, there's a lot of kids that are making their decisions based on that. And that's just the reality where college football is right now. Okay. Well guys, before we get any further, Bobby, I love Bobby has a thought on that. Oh, go ahead, Bobby. Oh, I do. I mean, I, I think that <laughs> here's the reality of it, right? I mean, um, some guys like some I have a daughter, right, that's a rising junior in college. She had multiple schools she could have went to, okay? Um, some of those schools offered her more money in scholarship than other schools. Right. Right? And she liked both schools. Not all these kids are just have one school that they like, right? And so just like scholarship money could be a deciding factor, NIL could be a deciding factor. I mean, why wouldn't it be? Right. Right? And – so, I mean, Jerry, you're, you're going through something right now similarly with, with uh, someone that you're, you're helping uh, out in a, a different sport entirely, not, not, in, not involved in this. But when you start looking at college, I mean, that's one of the things that, that you're going to look at is cost of attendance and where they're going and what they can do with, with what they're doing. So I, I have no problem with it. All right. Well, Bobby, while you're at it, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody about Energy Texas? <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Question. Energy Texas is for Texans by Texans. Uh, it is a energy company uh, allowed. If you're, if you're allowed to have deregulated energy in your neighborhood, uh, make sure you give them a chance. www.energytexas.com. Uh, right now they have a special plan that you can change your energy package every month at no additional fee. Uh, that's www.energytexas.com. Check out those rates. Also call 855-461-1129 to make the switch. Energy Texas, Texas Electricity, done right. Thank you, by the way, for your sponsorship. 
Thank you, Energy Texas. All right, guys. East 8 wants to know, our staff seems to be indexing heavily on height and at wide receiver and cornerback over raw speed or agility. Any insight into the philosophy from the staff? I don't think speed. Uh, I was going to say Wardell Max pretty fast. Yeah. Santana Wilson's pretty fast. Yeah, I don't think speed necessary. I do think, look, I, I do think the days of taking a couple of five, nine corners are over unless they're really, truly great, great players. Um, and wide receiver, I mean, look, Jontae Cook's a 5'11", 5'11 and a half guy. DeAndre Moore's similar. Um, they're set to lose A.D. Mitchell if he has a good season. Isaiah Nair if he has any type of season at all, right? Those are two 6'3 guys. They have to replace some size. They have to have size. And when, as you go into the SEC, you're playing against bigger, longer corners. So you you can't just be running around with 5'9 wideouts out there. you got to have some size and length to help your quarterbacks in that conference. I don't know what Bobby's thoughts are, but that's I, I agree. I mean – I think about Julius Brent, the the corner from uh, uh, the defensive back from Kansas State, right? That he he went in the second or third round. I can't remember what, but he looked unlike most Big Twelve safeties and Big Twelve defensive backs. However, that's what most starting defensive backs in the SEC kind of look like, and that's what Jerry's talking about. It's just a different category here, so you have to you have to play that game a little bit to make a dent, and and I think that's what Sark's trying to do. Okay, our next question, uh, Jerry, this one's for you. It's from David Williams, and he says, who do you think will likely be the 24 wide receiver and defensive back class? He thinks and hopes that wide receivers Dubow, Livingstone, Bussy, Wingo, and Hampton, and defensive back Wilson, Rebell, Gibson, Black, Bridges, and Mack. Your thoughts, Jerry? Well, I think Texas will sign three or four wide outs. Obviously, Wingo's at the top of that list. Dubow's Livingstone committed. I think if they got those three and ended up going to the portal, they'd be just happy. I think it'd be just fine with that. That doesn't mean they don't love Bussy or Hampton. Um, at DB, look, I mean, they got too committed. I think they – I think I won't be surprised if they don't take a second safety in this class. We'll see uh, on that if that changes. I mean, two really good guys, Miles Davis, Joshua Lair out there. Uh, Miles Davis is A&M Texas battle, um, maybe slightly in A&M there. Josh Lair I think would go Texas way if they really roll out the red carpet there. At corners, I, I just think it's tough to – I just think it's going to be a tough thing to get Santana, Wilson, Gibson, Black, Bridges, and Mack in the same class. These kids want to go where they can play. And the chances of getting all those guys, are, to me, are about zero. If they do, I'll come on here and say I'm wrong. So I think you take one of those corners off, put in a safety, and I could see it happen. All right. Well, guys, we're going to do one more question. All right, we're going to go two because we just got a super chat. <laughs> this, uh, this one from the Commodian. Thank you. He says, happy fourth, guys. Y'all rock, and thank you for all your hard work. With that quarterback room, that running back room, those wide receivers, and the beautiful <laughs> offensive line, how many natties are we thinking in the next five years? Over, under, one and a half? Or is that too much Kool-Aid? I think you started drinking early. <laughs> Look, I think, I think, I think we got to get – Texas has got to get to the dance first. They haven't been to the dance yet. You know, they haven't won a big 12 championship. Uh, they haven't uh, really competed on that level. Let's see where they go this year and then start going there that, that year. I do think you're drinking some Kool-Aid on, on the 4th of July right now. So uh, let's say this. Let's look at Kirby Smart at Georgia. He came into a program that was already a top 10 level program with talent and they've been winning. It took Kirby five years at Georgia 
to eclipse Alabama and win the first national championship. It took him five. And he went into a program that had 30 NFL players or more already in it and had been accustomed to winning nine, 10 games and finishing around the top 10. Sark didn't come into a program like that. Uh, so I, I think it takes a little time, more time. Uh, just, just some perspective there. It didn't happen overnight for Kirby. He, he got to the dance, dropped the heartbreaker, and they've come back and won a couple in a row. I think that's a good that's a good analogy, Jerry. A really good one, in my opinion, because it it it, it matches up with what we're actually thinking and seeing, yeah. right? Yeah. It's a gradual progression. Every year, you're trying to get better and better and better. Sark is doing that, but at the same time, you're going to lose guys like Bijan, where you're going to take a step back too. The key for him is to when you lose a Sony Michelle or a Nick Chubb, you yeah. find the next guy, but you have to get that roster churn going in the right direction yep. all right guys we're going to do one more question and this one is from loba bread and he says who is one non-starter y'all think will be a surprise impact player for both offense and defense all right i'll i'll, I'll do uh defense first jerry okay. I, i'm gonna go and this is gonna surprise some people um i'm gonna go with so Maurice Blackwell would be my pick if if I didn't think that wouldn't that's not real surprising to me. So I think he's going to be a guy that actually starts a lot next to Jalen Ford. Okay. Um, beyond that, a true surprise for me. I'm going to go BJ Allen. Uh, I think that he, he showed me a little something in the spring. He's got a little experience now. I know that means he's going to have to beat out some young freshmen, but. Keaton Crawford still hasn't proven he can truly cover. And until he does, I know that Jay, I know that BJ Allen has some sense about him there. So that would be my surprise on defense. Jerry, you have a surprise on defense? Um, on defense, um, I'm trying to think. Um, maybe, maybe later in the season, Leona LaFallon coverage. Maybe as a situational guy in coverage. Would be my guy to see somebody brought up to Celia Connor. He is a uh, um, he is a designated pass rush specialist. There is a place for somebody like that if he's big enough to do it. Offensively, I'm going with Neto. I think Neto is going to play, and I think he's going to be so good in the run game and bring a nastiness to the run game that he's going to force himself into more playing time as the season goes along. On well, offense. Uh, this may not may or may or may not be a surprise. I'm going to say DeAndre Moore. Um, Jordan Whittington is a really good player, um, but he's been banged up at times in his career. DeAndre Moore is the next man up at a uh, slot, so watch out for him. I also think he happens to be a guy that is very ready to play early in comparison to some other other guys that are his age. All right. Well, good answers. It'll be interesting to see how it all unfolds this season. Well, guys, that's going to do it for this edition of On Texas Football. It's 4th of July. we got to get out here and go shoot some fireworks. But we want to thank Jordan, thank Jordan Washington, number one, and congratulate him on being the newest member of Texas class. And I uh, want to thank Energy Texas, of course, and then all our super chats, Elijah Perez, Brett Nelson, Poke Casino, Ken Ward, Freelance Society, Pareth Patel, and The Commodian. And don't forget, go and watch that full video of Jordan Washington's commitment with his highlights and everything like that right here on On Texas Football. And then, of course, head over to InsideTexas.com for all the latest and greatest 
recruiting coverage, team notes, anything else out there. Uh, so that's going to do it for us. For Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you next time. Don't burn your hands, anybody. <laughs> <laughs>